Well, good evening. As was said, my name is Noah Schneider, and I do indeed come from California. So that being said, if there's any rads, awesomes, sweets, freshes that come out of my mouth, I'll just blame that I'm being from California. So if it's a little bit strange, all those things mean it's good. So just so you know. Thank you. Very good. <laughs> so I, like I said, I work with Steiger International, and my wife, Wendy, and my daughter, Moira, and I, I love being able to show pictures of my family. Um, we moved here about two, three months ago. We work with Steiger International here. For the past 14 years, we've been working with Steiger in the States, for about three, four years in Europe and Germany, and now we're here, and we really are blessed to see that God has called us here. It really is wonderful to be in such a country that, you know, it's kind of beautiful, so it's a real struggle to just focus, but no, it's gorgeous. We're really happy to be here. So, and it's really a blessing to be here. We've been able to visit a few churches in the area, and BBC has always been so welcome, and it's just a blessing to be able to be here and um, yeah, to speak to you guys, but also to be blessed and to worship with you especially the, the song, Because You Called My Name, I Ran Out of That Grave. Every single time I hear that, it's like my heart just leaps. So yeah, really blessed by you guys. So we are continuing on the series, The Prequel. And last week, if you weren't here, Bernie was talking about creation and um, the fact that while God created the universe, created the world, created animals, created us, he also gave us a choice. And that's a pretty interesting two things to put together a choice, the ability to choose to acknowledge him as God, the ability to choose to receive his love for us, but then also the ability to choose to love him back. And that was a really powerful sermon last week, a lot to think about, and um, I think it's a great beginning for where we're going with the prequel. But even as I was praying about it and thinking about it, one of the pictures that keep, kept coming to mind was this prequel is kind of like a crescendo, kind of like this growing thing until we meet Jesus. Well, that's true, I also was just reminded, but it's not a crescendo of God's power. It's not a crescendo of God's presence here on earth. In fact, God is here in this story, in the prequel. We see him moving powerfully. And to me, that's something that's good to remember in the midst of this, that as we look forward to what is to come, God, right from the beginning, is powerfully engaged and involved with his creation. To me, that gets me excited. So, tonight, we're going to be talking about being called. Called. Now, our God is a God who called creation into existence and calls us to participate in his good works. And as we'll see, he has done this right from the beginning and continues to do this today, and we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. We're all called and invited with God to be active participants in what he's doing. Now, as I was thinking about this and praying about this, the word called, you know, what comes to mind when you think of that? I'm going to ask for a little participation. I don't know if that happens here, so feel free to raise your voice. When you hear the word called, what pictures or words or feelings come up? Honestly, speak it out. Called. To the principal's office. All right, that's a good start. Hopefully we'll end on a higher note, a better note than that. What else? What else comes to mind when you hear called? Say again. Chosen. What else? Purpose. Good. Good. Mm -hmm. Being called a name. There's a lot of different things that come to mind. And I think as Christians, it's one of those words that we use a lot, a lot, but maybe don't really think about what it means. It's one of those words that I think that we're so used to hearing and so used to saying that it begins to kind of lose the weight that's underneath it, the foundational part of who we are as Christians that that stands for. And so we're going to talk about that. And I was thinking, just because Bernie referenced Star Wars last week, I'll keep that going. 
We kept the beards going, and I'll keep a little Star Wars reference going. It's kind of like in Star Wars, there's all these things, the Force, Jedis, Jar Jar Binks, all these things we've just accepted. We don't think about it. But when they're called into question, it's good to think about that. And I think as the church, we also have things that we have believed or things that we have just gotten used to saying and thinking that it's good to say, okay, what does this mean? So when it comes to being called, how do we see that? Is that something that's kind of like a, a command, like going to the principal's office or an invitation to go to the principal's office? Is it a law? Is it something that breathes life or is it something that's more intimidating? For the sake of tonight and talking in the sermon, but also to, as we go away, when I say called, for me, being called refers to the ongoing communication that God is having with his creation. The ongoing communication that God is having with his creation. It's an intimate invitation to be in relationship with him, participating in his plans on earth. As he, um, and all this comes out of a relationship with God. It's foundational. Being called is an invitation to be in relationship with him. I think even outside of Christianity, people that don't know Jesus, there is this yearning to be called. There's this yearning to belong, to be connected. And this goes beyond a club, this goes beyond a team, but to be a part of something. Something bigger than themselves, something that has meaning, something that speaks to the innermost part of who they are. God put that there. Being called doesn't just belong to Christians, it belongs to all humanity. We're all made to hear that invitation and to be called by him. This is why I think for some people, they feel like they have a lack of purpose. And maybe you've experienced that here in this country, in your, in your city, in your family. They feel this lack of purpose because they haven't heard that call or responded to it. This desire is from God, and I believe that God is always speaking. That excites me. God is always speaking. With that, God is speaking to all of us. And he does not only speak to some people that he has big plans for, but he speaks to every person he has made. And the question really for us is, are we listening? Are we listening to that call? This is one of the reasons why being silent with God and prayer is so important. Now tonight, we're going to be looking at this handsome fella, the guy on his knees. That's Abraham. And then we have God speaking to him. We're going to be looking at Abraham tonight and looking at his story, specifically his relationship with God, which, if you guys know this story, is incredibly powerful. Incredibly powerful to the point that it makes me really jealous I mean, he's not perfect, but his relationship with God, it's like, God, I want to have that. Throughout Abraham's story, we see how God initiates and invites Abraham into an intimate, intimate relationship with God, with himself. The main chunk, if you guys have your Bibles with you or if you want to look at it when you go home, um, the main chunk of Abraham's story takes place in Genesis 12 all the way through the beginning of Genesis 25. He's referenced later on, but that's the main kind of bulk of his story. So, I have a few things that I want to talk about, and then because this is who I am, I also want to talk a little bit about how it applies to us and what we can take from it as we leave. So the first thing I want to look at is that God called Abraham. God called Abraham. If we look in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, and I've got it right there, this is right in the beginning, right in the beginning. The Lord said to Abram, because that was his name at that time, go from your country, your people, in your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, I don't know how many people of, you, of us have heard that before, but I don't think we should belittle it. It's a huge, 
huge thing. Number one, for God to be speaking to Abraham like that, but for them to be making this kind of a command, this kind of a, an invitation to say, I have this for you, this blessing for you, and you will also be a blessing to others. It's massive. But one of the things I first think of when I hear that is, well, then Abraham must have been pretty worthy to get something like that. He must have been pretty worthy, never been to the principal's office, you know, solid guy. But if you do some digging about that time in history, especially for Abraham himself, he was most likely raised in a very polytheistic environment. Culture, family, even himself may have been very sensitive to a very polytheistic worldview. So this is something, it's like, well, wait a second, this isn't who I thought it was going to be that God would invite. He didn't invite the most holiest person. No, he invited a regular human being, Abraham. God called Abraham into, number one, a monotheistic kind of worldview, but also to worship the one true God. It is worth pointing out that Abraham's, or Abram's past didn't dictate or limit what God could do. It didn't dictate or limit the fact that God was calling him. God called Abraham right where he was. The second thing is that God made a covenant with Abraham. God made a covenant with Abraham. So number one, he comes and he calls him. And a little bit further on in the story, God comes again and he says, I want to make a covenant with you. And this came in response to the fact that Abraham was kind of questioning this calling. You know, sometimes when someone says something really nice to you or wants to give you something really nice, the first thought is, that's amazing. But then you start to wonder, well, why? Are there strings attached? Is there something I'm supposed to do? Is this real? Can I keep this? And later on, Abraham starts to challenge God and says, well, you say that all the nations are going to come from me, but I don't have any kids. And just like that picture depicted, most likely Abraham was pretty old, and also his wife, Sarah, was pretty old. And so they're saying, how could this even be true? And so God says, I want to make a covenant with you. So he says this. There's, well, there's this really, <laughs> and I would encourage you to look at it. It's a really powerful scene in chapter 15 where Abraham goes and he gets a bunch, in response to God saying, I want to make a covenant with you. Abraham goes and gets a bunch of different animals and some birds and puts them together, cuts the animals in half, and then sets the birds aside. I know birds are animals, but puts the birds aside, cuts the rest of the animals in half. God talks to him a little bit, and then it says that like Abraham fell kind of in a sleep, and he sees this vision, and it says this in chapter 15, verse 17. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. Now, that's a pretty cool image. You know, you almost feel like a metal guitar, playing over that. It's pretty fresh. There you go. I think it's awesome, but if you don't know really what it means, it can just kind of go over your head. You see, back then, covenants were incredibly important. If you said to somebody, I'm going to make a covenant with you, it was usually followed with something like this. Both the parties would come together, they'd bring some animals, they'd sacrifice them, they'd cut them in half, they laid them out on the ground, and then the two people that were making a covenant, it could be about peace, it could be about land, it could be about a relationship, they would, the two people would walk through the cut, the split animals together. And then when they went to the other side, that kind of part of the ceremony was over. And what that meant was, if I break this covenant that I have made with you, let it be done to me what has been done to these animals. So that image is incredibly powerful. It's like pretty much saying, if I break this covenant, I should be dead. This covenant means that much to me that I will show you how much it means. And so this is something that Abraham gets. And the readers of this would understand what this means. But what takes this even further is it's just God who does it. It's just God. God and Abraham didn't do it together. 
God did it by himself. What God is pretty much saying is, I, you may doubt me because you don't have any kids yet or because you're old, but I'm going to show you that my covenant is so real. Let it be done to me, the creator of the universe, what has been done to these animals. Let it be done to me. This covenant was powerful. God made a covenant with Abraham. Next, God reminded Abraham of his calling, of his being called throughout um, Genesis. We see God constantly reminding Abraham. It happens like five or six times where he says it again and again and again. I have a promise for you. I have a plan for you. The nations that will come from you will be so great you couldn't even count them like you count the stars. It would be greater than that. Constantly, God is reminding Abraham. And to me, this just feels like a real intimate thing. He knows that Abraham's not perfect. He knows that Abraham is human. And he still, on his level, says, I want to continue to remind you. Because I know you forget. I want to remind you what I have for you. I want to remind you that you're worth the calling that I've given you. I see you. This is something that's kind of a theme throughout Genesis. And we see it throughout the, the gospel, the Bible, is that there is this thing kind of in place along these generations where they would do things to remember what has happened. Of course, we see it with Jesus, with, um, with um, the Last Supper. We see it with um, other parts of Scripture. But right here in Genesis, we see with Abraham, he's also doing things to remember how good God's been. He'll build these things called altars. Usually made of stone, something you could light a fire on. But it's something to build and say, this has a name. This is a reminder of something that's happened to me between God and I. Between God and me. So we see this happening throughout Genesis is that, number one, God is reminding Abraham, but then also Abraham's doing stuff to remind himself, this is what God has called me to. This is what God has said. This is what God has done. God has been faithful. Now, I've had times in my life where I forget things, believe it or not, and about, I think it was 2012, before we moved to Germany, um, God called me to something that I didn't want to do, and that was go back to school. Yeah, because I don't like going to the principal's office. I'm going to keep bringing that up. <laughs> God called me to go back to school. And he said, you know, I, I called you guys to Germany. I, I've got a plan for you there, but I really think to prepare you for this, it'd be really good for you to go to school. And at that point, it was my master's degree. And I had no desire to do it. Totally intimidating. I, Wendy had done it, and I watched her, and I thought, I don't want to go through that. <laughs> but I found a one-year program in England at a school called All Nations. I can tell you about it afterwards. It's an incredible school for missions. I went there for my master's degree, and as I was there, I had to keep kind of reminding myself, why am I here? It's beautiful. I love it. The accent's fun. But why am I here? And so every morning, I started doing this thing where I'd walk through the campus, and I'd walk to this little place right outside of the campus, and I was looking over these fields. I feel like in England, things are always foggy and everyone's getting murdered. You guys went. So I'm sure every morning I went there, I thought someone's going to scream in the distance, and it won't even surprise me, because that's what happens in England. All right, some of you get that. So I would come up here, and I mean pretty much like this. I would come and I would face this spot, and I would just pray for the day, just like this. I'd pray for the day, and I started bringing a stone. And I'd find a stone, and I'd bring it there, and I'd set it down, and I would just pray for the day. And as time went by, I started getting more stones. Every day I'd go there on my school days, and I'd start putting a stone on top, a stone on top. And the seasons would change, and winter came, and it would get cold, but I'd still go out and just remind, reminding myself, God, this is why you've called me here. I want to be faithful. Help me be faithful. So did that for most of the year, and I got to this. It doesn't look that big. The stones weren't for that big. So just imagine it's huge if you're an ant. 
So I, did, I made this pile, and it was a reminder. Every morning I went out there, and I was a reminder of it. And I remember towards the end of the school, we had this big bonfire. School wasn't over yet, but we had a bonfire to remember just the experience. And the next morning I went out because I was so pumped. What I didn't know is they'd used my stones for the bonfire pit. <laughs> so I'm like, what? <laughs> they'd used it to make the circle, and they put all the wood inside. And I thought, God, you've got a sense of humor. Because it's not, it's not about the stones. It's not about the rocks. It's not about the doing it every day. It's about the relationship I had with him. And he reminded me of that. He said, I really enjoyed that. It's good you took some pictures so you can use it for a future sermon. But it's not that important. What's important to me is my relationship with you. But for me, it was really important to remember. Sometimes it's good to do that, to put physical things in place to remember. Next thing we see is that God had grace on Abraham. Throughout his story, we see Abraham, this great guy who's very human, making some pretty goofy mistakes. Even though he's called, he makes these pretty goofy mistakes. One thing he does twice, and you think the first time he's done it, you're like, come on, Abraham, you're not going to do that again. He does it twice. He's in the kingdom or he's in an area where he's afraid because his old wife is incredibly beautiful. So that's awesome. He's afraid that the king will then take her from him as his wife violently. And so he decides, well, we'll just tell the king that you're my sister. That way, if he does take you, it won't be weird for me. This is a weird situation. He does that twice. And both times, God talks to the king pretty much and says, you better not lay with that woman. She's married to Abraham. And both times, the king's like, why did you do this to me? Why did you lie to me? And it's just like, Abraham, come on. But he does this. And God has grace, though. God forgives him. Abraham comes back. Usually, it's around that time that God reminds him of his calling. Like, Abraham, remember, this is what I have for you. But also, when it comes to grace, there's also something else that's happening, and that is that mo many times throughout Genesis, we see that Abraham has this incredible communication with God, where they have this dialogue. A dialogue that Abraham starts to kind of get God to seemingly change his mind. And I don't mean that, that God is, that Abraham was more powerful than God, but there was such an intimacy there, such a relationship, such a grace extended to Abraham, that they were able to have these conversations about what God could do, or what God would do. And in the case of Sodom and Gomorrah, God's like, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. It has gotten nuts. It needs to be destroyed. It needs to be wiped out. And Abraham starts off by saying, God, if there's 50 righteous people, will you save it? Yes, Abraham, I'll save it. If there's 50 righteous people, I'll save it. Well, how about if there's 45? Okay, if there's 45, I'll save it. Well, but how about 40? How about 30? How about 20? And then finally, how about 10? And God says, okay. And there's this grace extended where, number one, God is forgiving Adam, Abraham for making mistakes and turning away momentarily. But also there's this grace where there's this freedom to have this relationship, this intimate relationship where they dialogue about what's happening in history and how God's moving and how God can use Abraham in the midst of it. There's this incredible grace. And lastly, Abraham's calling had an eternal impact when God called Abraham, I don't think Abraham had any idea how far this calling would affect not only the people around him in his inner circle, his land, the country, the time. God said, I will make you a blessing for all nations. It's in this relationship between God and Abraham that we start to get little glimpses of Jesus. This idea that one person can change things. And I'm not talking about like the Matrix and the One and all these things we see in popular culture, but the reality of history is that one person, when God calls you, you will change things if you say yes to him. 
One person who says yes to being called by God can change history. And it's in Abraham's line, 42 generations later, we see in Matthew 1, the first section of Matthew in the Gospels, 42 generations we see Jesus coming from that line. Because Abraham said yes to his calling, we see that the faithfulness that he had has impacted every generation. And then there's Jesus. Abraham's calling, his faithfulness to, being, to responding to God's calling had an eternal impact. Now, like I said before, for me, God's word needs to have application. It says that his word, when it comes out, it does not return void. It, has, it brings change. And so tonight, I want to look a little bit at that. How do these things apply to us now? For one, just like Abraham, we are called by God. Abraham was quite clearly not a superhero. There was nothing about him that stood out. But he was called by God. An ordinary human, an ordinary man was called by God. He had faults and got distracted from time to time, but he was called. Just like Abraham, we are called. Next, being called, and this is, this is something I really thought about a lot, and Wendy and I were talking about this a lot. Being called is not about our feelings. Being called feels good. It does feel good. The idea that God would interact with us and say, I want to be in a relationship with you, it feels great. But sometimes we get kind of hung up on the idea, well, where does my calling come into this? We want to jump to, well, what is, this, what is me being called by you practically look like? And we begin to form our identity around our calling. And before you know it, we've begun to say that what you want me to do is more important than being in a relationship with you. Being called is not about how it makes us feel. It's not what about what it makes us do. The first and most important thing, the foundational thing is, I am called by God to be in relationship with him, and that is good enough. He promises he will use me. He promises he has a plan. But first, am I grounded in him? Do I know him? He knows me. Do I know him? Like I said before, I've been a missionary for about 14 years, and it has not been perfect. It has not been great all the time. It's had its ups, it's had its downs. And about three years ago is when it hit its lowest point, is when it really started going downhill. You see, I come from a long history of workaholics. I'm not proud of it, but that's something that's part of who I am, something I like to change, but I really struggle with finding my value in what I do. And it kind of gets terrible when that comes into ministry, because then all of a sudden God becomes your employer, he becomes your boss, and there's no creator-father intimate relationship anymore. It's turned into, I hope he enjoys what I'm doing. I hope I'm doing it right. I hope he doesn't take this away. I hope it's good enough. And you can ask Wendy. We went through a really, really dark season, and we're coming out of it where that just tore me apart, and I just became really cynical and really empty. And the initial calling that God had given me had turned into an occupation. We went to the States for on furlough and went through a wonderful debriefing season. It ended up, ended up being about a year, and it's still kind of going, where God has been working on this and reminding me of my heart that that's what he wants. It's not about my hands. It's not about my feet. It's about my heart. He wants me. And I have to keep returning to that over and over again. God, it's between you and me. From that, from that, when, when you're ready, you tell me what you want me to do, and I, I, I promise I'll be faithful as I can. But right now, I want to be faithful in my relationship with you. And that's where grace comes in. I've heard many people say, I don't know if it happens here, but I know in my life I've heard many people say, well, I think I may have lost my calling, or, man, I've made a lot of mistakes. I'm pretty sure I've missed it. 
Or I know that he called me to something a year ago and I haven't done it yet, so he's probably found somebody else and it's, it's probably too late for me. So I'll just sit here, I'll come on Sundays and I'll, just, I'll be in his presence, but he doesn't have anything for me anymore. Just like God had grace on Abraham after he called him, he has grace on us. How do we walk in that? God, show me. What are the things in my life that I have let come between you that it's just shame? And you promised to forgive me. Can you forgive this? It's not too late. That's a word that Wendy and I were talking about, is that in this, when God calls us, it's not too late to say yes. It's not too late. And as the worship band comes back up here, um, um, the last thing I was thinking about and praying about is this idea of remembering. What does it look like to remember? You know, I did the, this, the thing with the rocks, and that was something for me in that season that was really important. But what does it look like for us to remember that we are called? Some of us are visual people, some of us are auditory, some people are tactile, but each one of us is made by God. God, what, what is it for me? How is a way that you've made me to remember that you've called me? What does that look like? And that's a practical question. And I would encourage you tonight, as we're going forward, to ask God, is there something I can do? Not, not about the doing, but is there something I can practice to remember these things? Much like Abraham. There were times he came back to the same altar and was reminded of what God had done. What are those things? You know, I was praying before coming in tonight. I got here early. And I was standing outside, I was standing outside just praying. And I said, God, is there, is there a word that you have for the church tonight? Is there something special, specific for this body. And as I was praying, the, the words, I see you, kept coming up. I see you. And I, I see that in, in Abraham's story, that God saw Abraham. And all the, the high points and low points, God saw Abraham. He knew what he was wrestling with. And I was just praying for you, for our, the body here. And I feel like God is saying, I, I see you. I saw this picture of my daughter, Moira. She's three and she's crazy and I love it. One moment she'll be dancing like a ballerina. The other moment she's just got her diaper on and she's running outside just going crazy. Just enjoying life. And I just felt like God was saying, I want, I want you to be free to receive my calling. I want you to be free to hear my voice. Don't grow up. Be a kid in my presence. Lord, as we, as we go from this place tonight and we, we think about what does it mean to be called, you've created us, but not to be alone, Lord, because you've also called us. Father, as we go from this place, we want to know that you see us, that you love us. Whether, Lord, we're new Christians not Christians or have been Christians all of our lives, Father, we need to be reminded of that love that you have. We need to be reminded, Lord, that we're called. And for us that maybe haven't even heard that, Lord, I pray that tonight you would speak to our hearts. I call you. I call you. I invite you into this relationship. Like it said in that song, Lord, I ran out of that grave. Lord, we want to run out of that grave and into your presence. Thank you, Lord, that that's a promise because you, you are really good.